waiting for Elliot to say, Ira, take it away. Ira, take it away. I didn't I didn't know. You know, this isn't my show, so I don't host it. Oh, well, welcome to League One Fun. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on our favorite podcast app. We're sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. I'm Ira Jersey. That voice you heard to start us off was Elliot Barr from River City 93 down in Richmond. Elliot, thanks for subbing for Jason. No problem. You know, there's only one person that can really bring you the show the right way. That's Jason. But I think I'm the next best person besides being black. But, you know, I can I can hold my own on this show. <laughs> I know you can because you're uh, you guys are in the playoff hunt. So, you know, you're someone who we need to talk to here uh, because Richmond is uh, has to be a little bit careful. But we'll, we'll talk about that a little later. So before we get to our guest today, because we do have a very special guest who broke some news from the Beautiful Game Network earlier this week, um, I have to say my apologies because last week I suggested that there was only two cameras at the League One final last year. Um, I mean, I was there in the stadium and I I only watched the the game on replay, Um, but apparently there were four cameras. Um, There were two with kind of the regular views that you see in uh, the ESPN Plus feeds and then two that were down on the field. Um, So I apologize. There were four. I wish there were two more to be able to get better angles closer to the penalty area as opposed to, you know, watching the back of people shooting. Um, but that's uh, that, that's where we are. So my apologies to uh, the guys at ESPN Plus and Vista Worldwide uh, because they, uh, you know, they do the best that they can with the resources they have. So there's no doubt <laughs> that, um, uh, you know, they're doing well. So, Elliot, today I'm go- we're bringing on Phil Grooms from the Beautiful Game Network and the USL show covering the USL Championship Phil, you broke some news that um, is has some effect on League One. So uh, maybe do you want to, you know, kind of tell us what was that news and what's been the response to it so far? Well, uh, it was the dropping of, let me make sure I get it right, Portland to, jeez, uh, I keep wanting to say Tacoma, Portland Timbers 2, um, Philadelphia Union 2, as well as Orlando City B are not going to be playing in the USL in the year 2021. And you can take that a lot of different ways, a lot of questions uh, or follow-ups. But I would say for the most part, uh, you mentioned Pony's uh, opinion on the show last night, but I would say the main uh, messages I saw in retweets and comments back were uh, good riddance in a lot of ways that a lot of USL people are pretty happy about this, actually. So, Elliot, um, you know, as a supporter of one of the teams that gets to beat up on OCB every uh, almost every time that they play, um, you know, what's what's your take on uh, on Orlando City and a couple of other teams leaving the league? I think with those teams, I think people are are glad to see them leave because one, there's no fan experience, um, and then also the quality of play is a lot lower. So I can understand why people are sad to see them go. If this was the case of like a North Texas or a uh, Try to think someone up there in the championship, like uh, uh, Red Bulls too. Um, some team, some MLS squad that places high quality teams that produces high talent. I think people might be a little bit more reluctant to be like, "Oh man, we're gonna see them go," because when you play those kinds of teams, you know you're gonna get a high quality match. You know you're gonna play against good quality talent. When it comes to OCB, I mean, even when they came back, it was just a slew of. It just, it just felt like they were just throwing random guys in the field. It didn't really feel like they knew what they were doing. Um, putting those guys together. So I can understand where people are sad to see them go. I mean, when they made the announcement of MLS Next, we kind of all knew that this was going to be the eventual path. And to see these bottom feeder kind of down on the bottom rail uh, MLS 2 two teams kind of fade out, 
it works out. I think it works out well for all parties. So, so you know, one of the I guess issues that I think some teams have is, you know, as you said, Elliot, like creating that fan experience, creating like a different brand identity for the team to be able to have their own, um, their own club. But then you have, you know, last year we had some really entertaining matches where Toronto too played in the league. So, and, and they didn't have many fans and, you know, we kind of made fun of their field because it didn't have lights and what was generally windy, but, but they were a great attacking team and they have guys who are going to go on and play for the Canadian national team for sure on that side. Um, Phil, you know, what, when, when you talk about these three teams, maybe in a way they're underperforming, the teams don't want to spend the money. Um, but you know, could there be knock-on effects? Could we hear about other teams that want to maybe drop out because they don't have the fans? Um, you know, we have a new uh, two team in, in League One this year in New England Revolution Two, who you know, quite frankly, the last six weeks have been playing quite well. But they, you know, are not likely to get a lot of fans in their stadium unless they, you know, get another venue and and move out of uh, Foxborough. I think there's two thoughts there. One is that yeah, I, I think that's really interesting. The League One. Um, thought there is that you know if if league one were to lose three or four of its two sides depending on how you look at toronto um next year would be pretty rough right it'd be pretty terrible because we just heard that um there won't be expansion teams until 2022 so 2021 if we were to lose more than orlando city b um as far as the two sides it'd be really sad and uh, we'd hate to see that and i kind of asked you a question back um but before i kind of asked that back um the other side to that is that um I think it's interesting. I don't want anyone to go too far and say, Hey, this is the first domino. And then everybody's leaving. Um, because I do, I have found like in rumors that not everyone agrees, not everyone wants to leave the USL. And I think you saw in that Reuter column about the MLS reserve league, uh, that USL teams. And, and you're talking about Jeff Reuter from the athletic, uh, who, Sorry, yes. who wrote a column and did some research after you broke the story. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and none of that is concrete per se. He had some, you know, sources saying this is pr- definitely going to happen, uh, but not all that was concrete. But um, some rumors that I came across that backed up a lot of those thoughts was um, not everyone wants to leave the USL. There are some teams and, and they're easy to pick out the ones that really enjoy um, their kids playing against grown men and those players moving up to the senior team in and out of the roster throughout the season. Uh, North Texas, of course, being the one in League One, in my opinion. Um there are teams that love that and they don't want to leave that. They put a lot of money into it. And so I think the USL would love to keep those teams that care. Um, and then the teams that don't want to care really, I think is a way to put it. Um, they're the ones that I think you'll see go. And so I think we'll get a nice mix, but I'm not sure everyone expected it to be that way. I think that's a, like a recent development that, uh, um, that there is a choice that you can stay in the USL. It, it could have gotten ugly for a minute there, I think. <laughs> Can I, can I ask this question real quick? Um, do you think teams that do that already don't have an MLS two side, like Columbus, Montreal, a couple of teams that come to mind, do you think now this might be an option for them to be like, look, we could put our team in League One or in the championship, or we could just now put our team as this kind of MLS reserve league kind of thing? Do you think now MLS teams are kind of looking at and kind of comparing contrasts, kind of the two leagues? Well, first of all, I would, I would assume the MLS Mind Institute, uh, you have to have one. I could see that happening, you know, kind of like the old USL affiliate kind of rule. Um, but Ira, we were talking about the cost of the league and how upfront costs might be <clears throat> not as cheap as they think. But long term, um, you think it'll be totally worthwhile and everyone will be more willing because it's cheaper than what they're doing right now in the USL. 
Well, yeah, I suppose it's it's what level of competition do you want, firstly, but there's a cost to that, right? Because in order to meet USL standards, you have to have, you know, a stadium with 3,500 seats and certain um, certain amenities, certain camera angles when it comes to uh, um, what when it comes to being able to set up for ESPN uh, plus broadcasts, right? So all of those things cost money that are away from the soccer side. So if you can get rid of the fan experience element or at least making that fan experience available um, and have a uh, just a reserve league, which might be more regionalized, right? Because you, you know, if you have thirty-two um, MLS teams, you might have you know four, five, six divisions, maybe of just five teams, where maybe you play them, you know, every two weeks instead of every week or, or something like that, right? So there's there's the, there's a number of different ways that the reserve league might be created, but but in all of them, they're probably it's probably going to be based more on cost than. Um, necessarily on, on what level of play it is. I, I suspect that one or two of these teams might drop drop down and not actually like the level of play, right? Because it's going to be a glorified, you know, U21 or U23 league um, mm. instead of, you know, playing against, you know, journeymen who aren't quite at MLS caliber but are very good players and and know all the tricks and, you know, are willing to kick a, kid, a 16-year-old kid in shins, you know, that kind of thing, um, which, you know, you have a lot of in USL and some teams. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's the di- dichotomy there. You know, like our our MLS senior uh, teams, our GMs and owners, are they looking to save money and still have a league for their kids to play in? Or are they looking for the very best of development? And I think that's the dichotomy you'll see is like some who choose one side will stay in the USL long term and then the other side will be reserve team immediately. And then we'll see what happens in between, right? Yeah, I think so. Elliot, do you have any other questions for Phil before we let him go? Oh, um, no other question. I did, however, find it hilarious in the uh, Jeff Ruda article how they mentioned that MLS Next, they think is going to uh, attract a lot of the neutrals <laughs> that don't really watch USL championships. So I did find that hilarious. I, I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> um, I mean, you might as well have watched Development Academy. I mean, well, it's, yeah. I, I think that was a secret little <laughs> wink, wink from Jeff Reuter to us USL fans, because I think he's saying that that's what some people actually think will happen in, in MLS ownership and GMs, perhaps. Um, I don't think Jeff believes that. And I, I liked a scuffed uh, comment on Twitter today that he was like, one USL affiliate in the USL championship made it to the playoffs. The other eight did not. And there was like a ridiculous goal differential negative, you know, as far as two teams versus indie teams. Yeah, no one wants to watch that loss every week, and that shows you the level, the difference in the level that might even be a, a bigger gap in the canyon if they go down to reserve league. So, you know, I think it's laughable, but um, I like to view it as a wink, wink from uh, Jeff Reuter to us guys who are in the know, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's in- it, uh, you know, it is interesting. You know, you think about the the teams like Real Monarchs, like North Texas, like uh, like the Red Bulls. You know, obviously, I support them. I think this might be actually the first year in their existence they didn't make the playoffs in the championship. Yeah. Um, so, um, and, and, you know, part of that obviously was COVID related. Um, so, so this is an asterisk year, which we always knew was, it was going to be, um, Phil, any last parting thoughts? No, this could be on the show again, guys. It's fast pace. We're all uh, keeping it going here pretty good. Oh, I, I, we, we don't fool around here in League One (laughs) Fun because we have so much to talk about. You know, unlike you, where you, you kind of survey just a couple of games that you Uh, want, (laughs) we we try to cover every single game, and there were a lot this week. (laughs) When when you get over 30 teams, you just give up and you do whatever the hell you want. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I think I, I I don't know how you did it when you got, when there were 20 teams. So, uh, yeah, it's crazy. 
Um, so fair enough. Phil Grooms of the USL show and BGN Written, thanks very much for coming on League One Fun. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right. So, Elliot, um, talking a little bit about the news here. Uh, Saturday's game between Orlando City B and the Chattanooga Red Wolves was postponed because yeah. two Chattanooga players had tested positive for COVID. So, um, it, you know, is probably not not necessarily great for Chattanooga, right? No, it's not. And to be honest, um, speaking to some players and some people that went out to Chattanooga, they didn't necessarily feel comfortable in North State being out there. So I'm when I saw that the news broke, at first, I thought it was OCB because this would be what OCB's yeah, it'd be like third time. time. They did it. They did it to you once at least, right? Yeah, they did. The Richmond, they did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to see that it was Chattanooga, it, it didn't surprise me at all. I mean, for instance, like we've seen the games, you see multiple fans out there not wearing face masks. Um, it was the whole thing at the beginning of the year where Chattanooga won a game in their stadium, and the players rushed to the fans, and fans were just hugging players without face masks, and. Uh, to be real with you right now, like we're we're living in a moment where we're playing on ice, like we're we're skidding on thin ice already in the middle of a pandemic. Um, so I, certain teams just need to do better with protocols, things like that. I mean, there I don't really know like how these players contracted COVID. They could have, you know, they could have been totally safe. They could have went home. A family member could have brought it. So we don't really know. But I just feel like. Things inside the stadium could be better. That's just my own my own personal um, opinion. But I hope those two players are getting better. Yeah, um, I do as well. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, you know who's available on the roster over the next couple of uh, the, ne- the next week, assuming that uh, that Chattanooga is able to play this week. Um, so I have to talk a little bit about Pickham because a couple of weeks ago I was boasting because I was at the top of the USL League One Pickham. Uh, table. However, this week I got totally shut out. Yeah, you heard you got a gloat in silence, man. I got, I got, I do. I, I I have to know not to, not to gloat because that's like you know the curse. But meanwhile, Jason has a clean sweep this week. He's the was the only <laughs> person doing the pick'em of the five uh, quote unquote experts, if you want to call us experts, uh, who who swept, including. Uh, North Texas beating your guys, but importantly for him, he picked a draw between Madison and Omaha, and that was his lock. So he he is now propelled in a tie for uh, at first place with Kelsey, uh, who Kelsey got got one and and uh, lost her dropped her her pick too. So I'm still there. I still on 19 points, but uh, it's uh, it's pretty tight here for the pick'em table. Yeah, man, you got to do better this week. You got to pick Richmond to win this week. That's probably yeah. Yeah. put that as yeah. your lock. And Jason, Jason was actually the only person not to pick Greenville to win, so he he picked the the draw out in uh, uh, out in the desert. So I'm not gonna lie, I was surprised by that result a little bit, but we can talk about that one later. We're gonna we're definitely gonna talk about that one. So, <laughs> Elliot, shall we review some of the Week 13 matches? Then let's go on and go through it, man. All right, so the first match was last Wednesday. It kicked off right around the time that uh, Jason and I were uh, – well, we had actually recorded a day early last week. Uh, but it was the Chattanooga Red Wolves 1, North Texas 3, the third loss in a row for Chattanooga. Uh, they were building out of the back uh, by by North Texas, and Chattanooga just had to chase the ball all over the place. Um, I thought Rayo had a good game, by the way, today. Uh, as we're recording this on the 14th of uh, October uh, was his birthday. Um, 
you know, it was a pretty comprehensive win by North Texas. Uh, Elliot, I don't know. We, we can go through the goals, but, you know, you have any general thoughts on this match? Oh, I do, actually. I feel like Chattanooga changed up a lot from the time when they played and beat us convincingly to now. I don't know what it is, but I feel like they changed a lot of their formation. I mean, when they played us, they played a 4-1-2-1-2 narrow. So, like, a lot of their midfield was tight. You didn't have a lot of space in the midfield to really have that build-up play. Everything was really, like, out on the wings. It was kind of one of those situations where if you get the ball out on the wings, great. You're going to have to cross it in, and you're going to have to deal with our center backs that are both over six feet, and we're just going to head it out. And then now I feel like they kind of switched it up to be a little bit more flowy, a little bit more showy, and try to possession. And I don't – you know, there's certain teams that have, like, a certain background. I feel like Chattanooga's background is being that physically tough, you know, we're going to slide tackle you hard. We're going to crunch tackle you in the midfield. And I feel like they're getting away from that to try to play this more possession type, try to build it out of the back kind of soccer. And that was the wrong move to make against North Texas. I feel like if they would have stuck with that <clears throat> kind of narrow formation, kind of forcing North Texas to play out on the wings, being physical, being tough with them, I feel like they would have walked away with this game. But they didn't. And it's unfortunate because, you know, Chattanooga do need the wins to try to – try to jump over ahead of us and now with a compact schedule i don't know how that's going to work yeah so i mean they'll, they'll end the the season now instead of against richmond probably against ocb but 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 that might be a game that they that won't matter right because they'll either yeah. they'll either have a shot in which case they'll go for it or um or, or they'll know that they don't have uh, any shot and you know they they they're just playing for pride. Um, you know, in, in this game, so the first half was pretty back and forth. There was a penalty kick. Um, there was a handball after a corner. Um, Hurst put it away. So Chattanooga goes up 1-0 in the 22nd minute. And uh, and then there's a free kick in the 26th, just a couple of minutes later, for a foul that happened right outside the box. And Arturo Rodriguez, man, ball <laughs> up and over the wall into the – left hand uh it hit off the left hand uh upright and into the net i mean it was an impossible it was an impossible ball to save and arturo you know he's back i mean he's yeah. like he looked Ooh. shaky the first couple of matches he played but he is definitely back look there there are certain players in usl league one that are better than the league they, they're just simply better and arturo is one of those players i mean granted he is the league's mvp the league's assist leader from last year He's too good to be in League One. And I, honestly, I think North Texas is the – I mean, not North Texas, uh, FC Dallas just needs to go ahead and call him up to the first team next year. Like, just play the kid. Yeah. <laughs> they have so many midfielders in, that, in FC Dallas, though. That's that's part of the problem. That is that's true, why they, I think that's why they loaned him out. I feel like they're probably going to sell Paxson sometime after this year. And, look, Arturo has proven he is worth – he's worth it, you know. Yeah. Pepe hasn't looked the same unless it's Arturo feeding him the balls. And yeah. Arturo's the guy. Uh, so in the 48th minute, uh, you had you got the game winner. Uh, this was another free kick by Arturo Rodriguez. It was uh, across the top of the penalty area and uh, just not attacked by any of the Chattanooga defenders. To your point, um, I don't know why North Texas wouldn't be attacked. <clears throat> Someone from, had to be attacking this ball. And uh, Burgess just made uh, – uh, uh, Nikosi Burgess just made a nice uh, jumping volley, and it hit one into the top netting. No one picked him up. Um, you yeah. know, the same thing happened. Uh, you know, quite frankly, um, in in 
the next match that North Texas played that we'll talk about. Um, and then Alex Bruce put away a PK. Um, the two number 14s on uh, on both teams, it was Ryo and Nick Law. Um, uh, so Ryo was taken down by Nick Law and, um, you know, Alex Bruce just, um, you know, uh, just finished it. Yeah. Um, otherwise... You know, Chattanooga fouled North Texas a lot. 21 fouls for Chattanooga this game. So, yeah. and only had one shot on target, and that was the goal. And normally you would think that would be the other way away with North Texas, the way how they possess the ball and just move it all around the pitch. You would think Chattanooga being the team that, you know, I, I think if you ask most League One fans, how would you describe Chattanooga? You describe them as the scrappy, tough, like they're going to follow you all across the field. And for them not to really – you know, impose their will as how they normally will. It's kind of disappointing to see. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, so now should we get on to a uh, game that uh, that you'll like a little bit more here, uh, Elliot? Yes, I will. So, uh, <laughs> this was the next midweek game. This was the Richmond Kickers scored two, and Orlando City B got a garbage time goal to uh, um, uh, kind of a consolation goal. Um, interesting little stat here, Elliot. I was looking at uh, the League One website, which has all of the cool opta data, and you can get a lot of you know interesting touch maps and, and average position of players and things like that. So the average position of OCB players only had two players average position in the offensive half. The uh, average position of the Richmond players had all players except two in the offensive half, what that means is that on average, Elliot, the kickers had eight players in OCB's half, almost the you know for more than half the game. Yeah, so, that's insane. Yeah, I mean it was a ridiculous. Like when you look at the, the touch maps and things, guess how many touches OCB had inside the Richmond penalty area? How many goals OCB has? Seven. They, they, <laughs> something like that. But but how many touches do you think that OCB had inside the Richmond penalty area in front of Akira Fitzgerald in the area? Mm, I'll go twelve. One. Wow. They had one touch inside the penalty area. Wow. <laughs> so, and that was probably the goal. That was the goal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. okay. yeah okay. <laughs> and the goal was their only shot on target. Um so uh, anyway, 27, uh, 27th minute, uh, Jonathan Bolaños, his first professional goal. Is that right? Yeah, it's his first professional goal. Am I right about that? Goal. So, uh, so Bolaños, this was his fifth game, I believe. Um, and, or, or maybe it was his fourth game, but, uh, um, you know, he looked, he looked decent. He, he looked like he belonged out there. Right, Elliot? What, what yeah. was your thoughts on Bolaños? So we, we seen this Bolaños and we've been talking about it on our podcast about how him, Stanley, um, they're players for the future. They have a lot of potential, but, you know, that final product, we haven't really seen out of Bolaños. You know, he's great on the wing. He's very pacey, very tricky. He can get cut in. can get, deliver a great cross, but it's all about that final product. When we saw that um, in his OCB game. Now, granted, it is OCB. So, the, you know, the quality of play is a little bit lower, but for him to not only get in that set piece play, smash it in, and then also take the penalty kick and also create the penalty is huge for Richmond, who's been struggling um, offensively. Um, shout out to sectional resident Matt Myers. He kind of pointed out that our last five games, all our goals have come from either set pieces or PKs. So it's good to see, even though, you know, Bologna's two, two uh, goals come from set pieces, it's also great to see that 
someone else besides Trezaghi or Riley Craft is scoring goals and finishing their chances. So now that kind of boosts his confidence of going into other games. But, I mean, he, he was the best player on the field, bar none. And this is with Terzaghi and Kraft on the field. So I so I have a question, Elliot. You know, after Bolaños scored the first goal, and and you know they, this has been going on for a couple of weeks now, um, the the lights go on and off in the stadium a little. <laughs> yeah. But you know, is that something you like? Is is that something that you think creates better atmosphere? Uh, I mean, I mean, you know, not being in the stadium, it's it's hard to see. It looks kind of weird on TV. Yeah. But maybe see in the it stadium. On TV, I can understand how it's weird, but being in stadium, um, is actually pretty cool because the lights actually like flash red. Um, oh, and then, cool. okay. Yeah, so and then also with um, the River City Red Army, they pop smoke. So it kind of gives us that ambiance. The only thing that we don't like is like the kind of music they play. Like <laughs> it's very like college football y. So, like, after, gotcha. like, for instance, like um, for those, you, you might know this, like when University of Wisconsin scores, they play jump. So it's like after jump we jump the, the Van Halen song or jump the uh, oh, um, like, the you other. know how everyone just start jumping up and down and stuff. That was oh, okay. but yeah, that <laughs> so it's kind of like kind of cringe. So we're like, oh, but we just scored. So, but yeah, it's kind of cool. It in stadium is cool, but I can see where some people are kind of like, eh, I don't like it if you're watching it on the game, sure, on the TV. Sure. So a couple of other things in this game. Uh, Tablante, who you know is by far probably OCB's most dangerous player this year, um, he got a his second yellow card for stepping on Scotty Thompson's foot. It can't be a, a League One show without me mentioning Scotty Thompson. Apparently, no. um, I was really trying not to, but Scotty too hotty. Yeah, <laughs> so, but he, uh, but yes, he got uh, definitely got stepped on, and uh, Tablante uh, got a second yellow. Um, uh, Alves t- takes a PK and he got saved. Um, yeah, you know that was just not hit hard enough, I guess, around the 90th minute. That would have made it three nil. Um, but uh, um, and then the 90th plus three, Wilfredo Rivera um, uh, scored a goal. It was, uh, you know, no one picked up uh, Jonathan Rosales on the right hand side, and uh, Rivera made a nice. Uh, um, a nice flick on of a the cross that Akira just couldn't get his hands on. Yeah. That was kind of disappointing way I had to end the game. It would have been nice to have the clean sheet. I mean, I think this year. I mean, it's kind of hard to compare this year to last year because there's more games. But um, we had more clean sheets last year, even though we weren't really scoring the way how we were this year. We had more clean sheets, um, so it'd be great to kind of these last three games get the defensive stability stability back. Um, it would be nice to have the clean. It would have been nice to have the clean shit against OCB. Finish that game out. Move on to North Texas, even though it wasn't a clean sheet there. But you know, getting a clean sheet at OCB would always be good. Right. All right. So moving on, uh, South Georgia Tormenta scored zero against FC Tucson. Who scored one? Um, I only watched the first half of this match, uh, which is when the goal was. Um, but the, uh, South Georgia Tormenta, I think, was a little bit unlucky not to get at least a point out of this game. I, I thought that they looked pretty decent in the first half. Um, they were at home. Um, they had some good chances, some good attacks. They just, they just, you know, they led in almost every offensive category except the most important one, uh, Elliot. They had fifty-six yeah. percent possession, eleven corners to seven corners. 527 passes. That's like, you know, that's North Texas amount of passes there. Um, they crossed the ball 25 times compared to 17 for, for Tucson. They had 17 shots compared to 13. Tormenta had eight shots on target compared to five. 
Um, they had 12 shots in the box compared to nine and even had 16 tackles compared to six for Tucson. So, I mean, in almost every category, if you looked at the stats, you'd think that South Georgia Tormenta would have won, except they couldn't put it away. And instead, Giovanni Godoy um, had a great shot from uh, uh, great shot from the left-hand side of the uh, penalty area right into the far post. Um Godoy was just not closed down. I mean, at the end of the day, no, you know, you give you give a guy like Godoy a lot of room, twenty two yards out, and he's probably going to take a hit. And and that was a very mm-hmm. nice one. That's one thing I really enjoy about FC Tucson games is, I mean, defensively they they are horrible. They they are horrible defensively. Offensively, they are going to give you a goal. <laughs> they are going to yeah. give you a goal. So their games are always exciting to watch. So. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you, you know, you think about Tucson and uh, Tucson and, and Fort Lauderdale are definitely like that. I mean, they're definitely yeah. like like it was like a, it's appointment television in some ways because, you know, it's like last year, you know, TFC2, you loved watching them because it was like always going to be like three to two one way or the other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even so. today with the Fort Lauderdale forward game, it was like two nothing and Fort Lauderdale was in complete control of that game. And then out of nowhere, they missed one chance and then they allowed Ford back in the game. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, I man, you told me I was going to watch that later. No. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All good there, Elliot. Um, uh, Godoy also came to the rescue because, uh, and he was definitely man of the match because in the 67th minute he also had a goal line clearance uh, to keep the uh, to keep the score uh, uh, to, to keep Tucson up one nil. Um, moving on, Friday night, New England Revolution two scored four compared to Fort Lauderdale. Club Day Football's one, um, you know, Elliot, New England Revolution on a tear here. Um, yeah, you know, guys like Nicholas Firmino just scoring bangers. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Justin Rennix. I mean, there's a guy who's you know he's an MLS caliber player. You know, you, you complain about that. Uh, Ryan Spalding, um, who you know has really impresses has impressed me the last couple of games. Um, you know, scored in this one as well from a. Firmino, uh, a Firmino assist. Um, you know how? How? I don't think either of these teams is likely to make the playoffs. But how worried are you for teams that have to play them? Because either of these teams, either New England or Fort Lauderdale, could easily be spoilers for for anybody, um, like they they were to you last week. Yeah, I, I would be more afraid if I have Revs two on my schedule, because Fort Lauderdale. It seems like if you have them at your home, they're going to rest players. They're not going to send up the full roster. Versus if you got to go to Fort Lauderdale, they're going to play everyone. Revs, too. I mean, man, Reddix, Firmino. I mean, until Jory Rice got hurt, they were a strong team. And I felt like if we actually played out a full schedule, Revs, too, could have easily snuck into that 16 playoff and upset somebody. If I got to play Revs, too, man, I I would take the Kirzagi approach. And have someone just trailing Riddick the entire or Firmino, have someone just trailing them the entire time and be like, This is your one job. You don't worry about anything else defensively. You trail him. And that's like that's the way you're gonna have to win that game, man. Because those two guys on their on their own, they can create chances out of nothing. Well, wait until uh, you find out who plays them, so you might actually uh, be be happy about the uh, matchup this coming week. Um Okay, so anything else about this game? I mean, I, I'm not going to belabor it because you know the chance of either of these two teams making the playoffs uh, is not going to be good. But um, I will say Justin Rennick's goal was kind of a crazy goal. 
Um, he kind of was jumped and, you know, used his feet. It's like he, that was also Rennick's uh, third goal in five games. Um, and uh, Fort Lauderdale just did not, you know, just did not do a good job defensively on that particular play. It's nothing to really talk about this game. Fort Lauderdale yeah. didn't play anyone of significance, so it's nothing to really talk about. All right. Uh, Saturday, October 10th, the first game was out in – Arlington, Texas. It was North Texas Soccer Club versus the Richmond Kickers. North Texas wins two to one. North Texas looks a lot more like their 2019 championship team than they did the beginning of the year for sure. So, and and this this match put them back in contention for potentially making the finals. Yeah, it did. Um, I mean, look, it's the heart of a champion, man. They always gonna have that fire spirit in them. I mean, they got. One, they get healthy at the right time. Key players are coming back from the Gontaro Rodriguez. Um, and they're just clicking on all cylinders. Like, the crazy thing is, it's not like even they're relying that much on Domas, who last year, correct me if I'm wrong, is the golden boot winner, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So there's not they're not even relying that much on him. I mean, they are back to that form of killing you by a thousand passes. And that's what happens against Richmond. I mean, definitely on the second goal where pretty much Bender is expecting Bruce to kind of make that right turn and just shoot it low post into the bottom left corner, and Bruce just kind of back heels it back into the all Yeah, yeah, it was very much Aldick, but yeah, he just stepped on it um, for sure. So yeah, we we should go through the goals in this game. Um, yeah, you know, so firstly in the in the twenty third minute, um, there was a short corner. Uh, Robert just drove down the end line and uh, shoots from a tight angle. Akira Fitzgerald made a very nice save, but he was on the ground. And as he's on the ground, um, uh, the, the ball comes out to, to Alex Bruce, and Bruce just finished it right from the PK spot. And, you know, I, I might put this out on Twitter, but I have a screen grab that I took, um, you know, of this shot. And what, what happened was um, uh, is, that, is that Kyle Ventner had to leave Bruce to go after um, to go after Roberts as because Roberts beat two players and when he did that left Bruce wide open and no one else came back or stepped up to cover Bruce yeah. and at the end of the day it was you know you can't really blame Kyle because Kyle had to go after the ball in that situation um, but uh, but at the same time you know it, it was a little bit of a defensive breakdown unfortunately uh, for you guys and, and that left Bruce wide open to shoot from uh, from about 12 yards out, um, which you can tell because, you know, that field had football lines on it. Yeah, it's kind of that thing of just ball watching. I mean, it's a thing of anticipating and expecting someone else to do their job and no one does their job. That's what yeah. kind of – it was just like – it was just a weird hole around bruising. I mean, all credit to him. Like we said, if you're going to give a, a, a striker that much time and that much space, you're going to nail it every time. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so, so the game winner came in the uh, – in the 45th plus two, uh, right at the end of the half, uh, this was definitely a team goal. Might be, might be the team goal of the week here. Uh, there was a quick buildup by North Texas, a bunch of one-touch passes. Hernandez gets the ball about 40 yards out. He takes, uh, he takes some space, and then once he's challenged, he makes a nice pass to Manjama, uh, who then one-touch passes at the Waldick. Waldick just stopped it. He just stepped on the ball. And then moved out of the way, and Munjama runs onto it and take, takes one touch, and then just dinks it over Fitzgerald. I mean, it was it, the finish was pretty nice because Fitzgerald had the angle. I mean, had he done almost anything else, Fitzgerald uh, clears that ball. Um, so you know, just just nice goal all around. I mean, it was yeah. the, 
showed you the, it showed you the the kind of uh, chemistry that these guys on North Texas have. Um, so uh, you guys did get on the board. You made it really interesting down the stretch in the six, uh, in the the fifty eighth minute, I think it was. Uh, che, the defender for North Texas, jumped over Anderson's back and lands on him. I actually thought the man <laughs> get hurt. I mean, it looked like a pile driver kind of thing. It did. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was bad. <laughs> Um, but it was definitely a penalty. Uh, lucky not to get a yellow. I thought they probably deserved a yellow for that. Not, not, not for denial of a, a goal-scoring opportunity, but just for um, just reckless. for being yeah, yeah being reckless. pretty reckless. Yeah, exactly. Um, Trizaki got his tenth though, so you, you know, worst case yeah. scenario, maybe you guys get the Golden Boot winner on your team. Yeah, I would rather be in the final. <laughs> <laughs> I would, sure. Look, I I'd rather be final. But one one note of this game. Um, I think more Richmond fans were more positive at the end of this result than they were at the end of the, you know, Revs 2 game, just because of the fact that, one, we looked like we fought back to get into this game and we created more chances. It wasn't the case of the Revs 2 game where we were we, we, we were misfiring on all cylinders. We couldn't pass. We couldn't make a shot. We couldn't get any defensive pressure. You know, there were multiple chances in this North Texas game that if we make them, this is a – you know, tie game. You know, Kyle Bentner is literally two inches away from the back post. Yeah. Greg Greg has a wonder shot that if it doesn't take like a weird deflection off of um, Terzaghi, it's going in the bottom corner because the goalkeeper from North Texas gets stuck. So, I mean, we created a chance and we had good chances. So, it wasn't – there's negatives. I mean, granted, we should have done better in the first 20 minutes or so of this game, but – there's positives that also take away from this game as well. Yeah. So you guys had 16 <clears> shots <throat> compared to 16 shots for North Texas. So, yeah, definitely. And, and you each had, you know, a couple of chances, uh, a couple of chances created. Um, yeah, 21 tackles, 21 clearances for you guys too. So, you know, pretty de- decent defensive effort. I mean, really, yeah. if it wasn't for, um, you know, obviously those, those, those two goals, then, you know, you guys – or, or if you guys had put one away, obviously a single point going on the road to North Texas would not have been a terrible result oh, for you guys. Yeah. Either. Well, so. the also positive too is, is that we also scored our first goal in 327 minutes against North Texas, so we're we're chipping away at that goal differential, which is 11 to one right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, fair enough. So, anything else? Uh, any other takeaways? I mean, I think it's interesting what you just said that you guys are are reasonably positive about the result, just given given how you played and how. Yeah, you know. So, so talk a little bit about what you see from this team this year compared to last year, because last year um, it seems like you guys would go down a goal and then you know there'd be no fight and kind of you guys would give up. But this year, you seem to be you know like you said, like not giving up and and just willing to fight. Well, I think one, I think our players are a lot more comfortable going into the second year. Players such as uh, Ivan Magales or Riley Kraft. That second year is a lot different because you know what to expect. You're kind of used to it. I think also the style of play. Um, we're not, we're not trying to build out of the back. We're not trying to, you know, work our way up the field. So it's like when you get down to goal, you're like, well, dang, I got to do this all over again. And you know, if that doesn't pay off, then you're down two goals. Where versus here, we're winning that ball higher up the field. We're also um, I'm putting more pressure on the team. So it's always that go, 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 go mentality. And I also think it comes down to the style of coaches. You know, I love David Dewey, don't get me wrong. But Beulah was more relaxed. He was more even killed. Where Sawaski, he looks pissed every chance, no matter. I don't think I've seen, I don't think I've seen <laughs> Sawaski smile once, even when we go up a goal. 
So I think that I think the mentality of the coaches is, is a lot different. Um, but I mean, this, this Richmond team. It, even if we, do, I, I don't want to say this. Even if we don't make it to the final, I think there will be positives to this season. I think a lot of Richmond kicker fans will be like, and we we made the post on Twitter and also said on our podcast, like if you would have told us at the beginning of the year, we would have the most improved player in Ivan Magales, the Golden Boot winner in Terzaghi, um had a positive home record, you know, only losing one game so far at home, and also be in the running for the League One final with three games left to go, two of which are at home. Every Richmond fan, we would have laughed in your face and called you stupid, <laughs> but we would have took that to the bank. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so in, interesting, uh, you know, a lot, lot of different, obviously interesting pieces to what you just said, but, but, you know, let's let's think about this from well. We'll, we'll go through the scenarios in, in just a couple of minutes, yeah. but um, you know, it's still your guys to lose um, for uh, for making the finals. Um, and it's really unfortunate that we don't have the four game playoff system too, because you know you'd be fighting now for the home playoff spot. You'd definitely be in the playoffs, right? And yeah. um, so, so I wish it was it was a, a, a you know four team uh, elimination tournament. Um, so why they only made it to nobody will ever know because they missed out so much. I, yeah, it had to do probably with travel costs and worry about COVID and things like that, and, and being able to turn around multiple games quickly um, because. Oh, wait, of, hold on, of, we get we get what four rounds of USL? Ch- Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, fa- fa- fair fair enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really do wish that there were four because because it would be there would be fun matches, right? Because it's yeah. like because other teams, some other teams would be still be fighting for it who might not. You know who definitely I mean, can't make the possibly imagine a Union for Madison round three, or yeah. a Chattanooga and Greenville, or you know it's just, just endless matter. Or like Reds well, well, right, North right Texas. now, right now it would be right now it would be Greenville, North Texas, Kickers, Omaha. If you go by points per game, come on, like come on, that would be those, those would be great. Yeah, those, those would be. Really I mean, matches. imagine yeah, imagine the semifinals being the a rematch of last year's finals. I mean, that would be great. Um, so but anyway, but unfortunately that's not to be, um, so instead we have to talk about FC Tucson drawing the league leaders and current, uh, and, and who will host the finals. It, it more, it looks like, uh, the Greenville triumph, um, who scored two as well. Um, Greenville played their first team. I was shocked at this, Elliot. I thought like, you know, you, you've secured a spot in the finals. You only need like one point, I think, to make. To, to host the finals in your last like three games, and they they took their whole first team. It really really surprised me, quite frankly. I, I ain't gonna lie. I was shocked to see multiple first teams. I was like, oh, they're going for the win. And when I saw that, I was like, all right, Greenville's going to score its first goal. When they went up one nothing, I turned the game off. <laughs> I, I took Jason's rule to life. I was like, oh, Greenville's up one nothing. It's done and dusted. There's <laughs> no reason for me to watch this. You know, Tucson's going to turn off the lights. It's, it, I'm probably going to turn the game on tomorrow and be two one. Lord and behold, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I so you know you had a a goal early on from Lachlan McLean. Um, it, it was a, a just a great goal, quite frankly. Advantage was played after Chloe's was hacked down near the uh, near the left touch line. Uh, the ball gets to Keegan. Keegan plays it out wide to Muhammad, and Muhammad just uh, makes a perfect cross to the foot of McLean. 
who it was making a far post run. He was right in between two Tucson defenders um, to make it one nil. So like you said, like when, when, when I saw that, I was like, oh, it's probably over. Like I get the, I get the thing on my phone, you know, the, the notification on my phone. I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm probably not going to need to watch this. This is going to be a runaway. Uh, uh, right before halftime, though, um, uh, 45th minute, Josh Cohn ties it up. Uh, this was a great cross from the right side uh, for Cone to run onto and head at first time home. Just beat uh, uh, Tyler Polak to the ball. Um, it was like you know I can't say that it was it was you know bad defending. It was just that Cone made a great run and and you know good for them. This was the first goal that Greenville let up in five weeks, Elliot. The last time was versus Tormenta on a Friday night in South Georgia. So it's four matches without conceding, and this that was the first goal. Um, Green, Greenville's defense is so good. <laughs> it's, it is, man. Their, their defense is solid. And I, I've been doing it out there because I really wanted to happen because I'm tired of seeing John Hawks and Dallas Jay. I'm really hoping Atlanta United calls both of them up. They'd be like, look, come be our head coach and our starting goalkeeper. We got to break that up. We got to break them up, man. We got to break the monopoly up. <laughs> um so but Dallas Jay did let in another goal in this game and it wasn't his fault it was not his fault at all so Giovanni uh Godoy gets another goal um but not because of his own effort really so there was a so Evan Lee made a really not particularly good back pass just did not have enough pace to get to Dallas Jay Jay you know goes down and Godoy pounced on the ball makes a little bit of a tap around Dallas who's on the ground at that point and just slots at home um, at one point when Jay was getting up he was trying to push Godoy in the back so he's lucky quite frankly that Godoy didn't go down because he probably would have gotten a red card yeah, um, that would but, not have been good <laughs> yeah and uh, um, but that that's not what happened um, and in the 90th plus one though you know, th- to keep it interesting, uh, you know, Lachlan McLean gets a, a goal. It was a magical run from the right side by Alex Morrell. Alex Morrell, you know, if if Greenville wins the w- wins the the league, I mean, quite frankly, even if they make the final, I think you have to put Alex Morrell as as a, an MVP candidate for sure. Um, he beats three players on the dribble, then three more with a cross. Um, Valdez actually made the made a save, uh, but the ball popped out up into the air from McLean to head home. Um, and this that goal right there eliminated FC Tucson from any chance mathematically of making the finals. Yeah. I mean, this, this once again goes to FC Tucson defense just just not being there. I mean, what this is the sec this is I think the second time, second or third game this year where FC Tucson has had a win and they lost it in extra time. And yeah. I mean that's that's killer, man. And I <laughs> I can't even give them the excuse that they're like an MLS two size or a little bit young. Like, no, most of these guys are like. Well, and yeah, they don't, and they don't even have they don't even have their um, their agreement with Phoenix Rising anymore. So yeah. they're they're their own team. They're an independent team. Yeah. Um, so the last game of the weekend was forward Madison versus Union Omaha. Um, I watched. Week, I loved it. <laughs> I loved every minute of it. <laughs> so, as as you you mentioned, you you probably had a, a little bit of a scare, but so so interestingly, you know, the stats lie a little bit in this match because it, number of shots in total was only fourteen in this game. Six for Madison, eight for Union Omaha. 
one shot on target each. But it felt like there was a lot more, Elliot. What happened in this match that made it feel like there were a lot more chances than the number of shots would tell you? Um, neither team decided to have a midfield. It just was like, you know, but we're just going to attack. That's that's literally what happened. I don't know what it is about Ford. Ford hates scoring. Like, I don't know if they think it's too hipster or too cool. <laughs> they just like, uh, you know, it's not it. So they're the hipster team. What are you talking about? They, I mean, they are. They probably hipster, thought it was, it's too cool for them, man. They were like, yeah, we can't <laughs> score early. Uh, we can't do this. But I got to say, man, one, <clears throat> one, outside of what happened on the pitch, the atmosphere alone was kind of cool to see because it's not like we've seen a lot of traveling fans. Um, so it was kind of cool to see Union Omaha supporters go up there. So shout out to them. But then also, like on the field, man, it was it was an intense game. It is one of those rare nil-nil games that you're on the edge of your seat the entire time because you're like, man, so, so what someone I, scores. What I've noticed the last couple of games for Union Omaha, it, and they kind of lost this, I think, for a couple of games. Um, but, you know, in the beginning, they, they high-pressed a lot, right? It was very high pressure. And – and they kind of lost that for a couple of games. And, you know, so, you know, so, so they did lose a few games um, in, in the, the middle of the season, but the last few games, they've been really frenetic. They've been really, really, um, you know, high, high energy, high pressure, you know, get the ball to the mm-hmm. other, get the ball forward quickly. So, so to your point, like, like they almost bypass the midfield because they're always trying to move the ball forward once they win it. Right. So, yeah. Um, so it seemed that way. Unfortunately, they they like couldn't possess. But interesting stat here, you know, one is that Madison kept crossing the ball, crossing the ball, and crossing the ball. They had no crosses. They got on the end of no crosses. So the crossing accuracy was zero. Whereas um, Omaha did have, and this is I think one of the reasons why it felt they had twenty three crosses. They can they had um, uh, got on the end of forty percent of them, so they got on the end of about ten crosses, and that's one of the reasons I think it felt like Omaha was you know maybe going to score at the very end. And I think you had a horse in this race, though, right, Elliot? You know, even though it, well, you guys own the Henny Derby now, uh, the, the the Henny Cup now, right? So, um, so so you're allowed to then root for forward in this game, right? I, well, I root for Ford for my own personal interest. <laughs> That's for me getting to the final. Outside of that, I could care less about them. But I mean, <laughs> to your point in this game, like <clears throat> it, it felt like Union Omaha should have scored a goal early on, and you felt like Union Omaha is a team where it's fast break. It's it's pretty much fast break for soccer. Like they don't care about anything else. They want to score that first goal so they can kind of tuck in, get tight. And they don't want to give you any extra space, but there's that frenetic pace and speed. But it's also a dual-edged sword because if you don't, you put so many people up front that you leave yourself in the back, and that's how Ford is. So if you're Union Omaha and Ford and Madison are a good match of teams because for one team's strength, strength is the other team's weakness. So for Union Omaha, it's pretty much making everything narrow and kind of funneling everything into the front of goal, where Ford is the complete opposite. They want to kind of go more into the outside, get numbers wide, and then feed everything from the outside in. So with that, it, it felt like Union Omaha. It really felt like Union Omaha should score, and they didn't. And I mean, granted, the referee was a little shoddy. I'll be fair, but I mean, hey, I'll take the nil nil. <laughs> 
Fair enough. Yeah, better better for you, obviously, than an Omaha win. Um, yes. So w- with that, why don't we look at the points per game standings as they stood before Wednesday evening's matches, um, so as they were on the 13th of, uh, of October. Uh, Greenville Triumph, obviously, in the lead in points per game, uh, 2.29 points per game. Uh, their maximum points are 38. Um, Richmond Kickers still in second place right now with 13 games played. They have 1.17. Oh, excuse me, 1.77 points per game, and they can get up to 32 points. So they can get nine more points out of the three games. They're on 23. You do the math, and and that's 32. Um, Union Omaha though, and North Texas both on 29 points. Union Omaha interestingly has 23 points and. 1.64 points per game, whereas North Texas, even though they've played one less game, and uh, and obviously they're and uh, they only have 20 points, have a points per game of 1.54. So, um, and both of them can get a maximum of 29 points. So the magic number for you, Elliot, is to get two more wins out of your next three games, and you will win. Do you know why you will be in the finals in that scenario? If you win, games just one. Games one. That's it's the first tie break. Uh, the tie, first tie break is games one, and if Richmond Kickers get two more wins, no one can catch them on games one. Therefore, they are in the finals, even if the other, even if they only get twenty nine points. Yeah. And that's really the scenario. I mean, the Chattanooga Red Wolves have a shot. If you were to drop your points, and then Omaha and North Texas both basically lose out, and you know Chattanooga can potentially squeeze in there, but it's really uphill for them. Their maximum points are twenty seven. So if you got four points, you'd, you'd be ahead of them. Um, Omaha also would only need four points to, to be ahead of them, and they'd, they'd also win that uh, on the, the, the wins tiebreak. Um, so that's the scenario right now. Um, you know, FC Tucson, Fort Lauderdale, South Georgia Tormenta, and Orlando are, uh, are all eliminated. Um, <clears throat> so interestingly, you know, Forward Madison and New, New England Revolution 2 are – Technically not eliminated yet, but um, but but the it's a little bit too little, too late. I think for uh, for, for New England, they can only get twenty six points. So um, you know, you or Union is likely to win one of the, one of your last five matches to to knock them out. So so they're effectively eliminated as well. Although they've been playing very well, as we discussed. Um, week fourteen, mm-hmm. Elliot. The first game was tonight. It was Fort Lauderdale versus Forward Madison. I have no idea what the score was, but you said that there were goals, which is good. Um, so we'll talk about that next week. Actually, if you want to tell everyone, because people will know in the morning, was it a 2-2 or something, or what, what was the final score? Uh, it was 2-2. Okay. But it's, it's a very good game to watch. The second half is very worth watching. I'll say that. Yeah, Th- that, that's a very Fort Lauderdale-type score, by the way, right there. You know, t- you <laughs> it know, is. It's a very two, Fort Lauderdale. It's very unconventional for Madison, you know, scoring goals. Right. <laughs> there you go. All right. So I'll take a, take a peek at that one. Um, Friday uh, night, 7 p.m. is going to be New England Revolution 2 hosting North Texas. This is a game that you definitely want New England Revolution 2 to win this one. Here oh, yeah. Get, get a little Shanir, revenge on you guys. Yeah. Shanair is the resident. Uh, for those who don't know, Shanair is from Boston. He is a Revs fan. So he has a little small spot for uh, Revs, too. So this is a game that we're going to be keeping our eye on and we're going to be rooting for uh, the Boston's in this one. So, so listen to River City ninety three next week, and uh, and and you'll either hear Shanir be really happy uh, about the <laughs> result, or or maybe not uh, doubly happy, I guess, because it helps the kickers, and at the same time, uh, you know, it, it helps the Revolution. Yes. Um, <laughs> 
Saturday, 1 p.m., Chattanooga Red Wolves host Forward Madison. So Forward Madison doing double duty. Um, I, I wonder if they'll even go go home. I mean, I would imagine that they might just go straight to uh, Chattanooga um, or stay somewhere in between. Um, I mean, I don't know uh, with all the COVID. we got to hope. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, Chattanooga, if they have any shot, they, you know, the, all of these games are must wins for, for just about everyone going forward. I mean, you know, so, um, and then you guys host at six thirty. Richmond kickers host South Georgia Tormenta. Um, you win this one and then you win the next one and you're in. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, this one is, uh, is big because South Georgia, even though they're in second to last place, they, they still have some talent on that team, Elliot. Um, you, you know, you guys have to be careful. Yeah. Look, Micheletto, did I say his name right? Oh, yep, Micheletto, yeah. We are the worst people when it comes to name pronunciation. So. Oh, no, oh, no, no. You, you, you're, you remember, I, I, I'm, the, I'm the king of that, you guys. <laughs> you know. um, he's a player that he scares me. Anytime he's on the ball, he can create, any, he can create chances out of anywhere. And I mean, also a former player as our Daniel Jackson will be coming back, so this game might have a little special significance for him. Um, it's it's going to be a fun game to watch. I mean, we've got Daniel better. Jackson's going to play right back again, or <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I really hope so. <laughs> he scored from right back for South Georgia Tormenta earlier. In he the did, season. and I was super happy for him when he did. It was against Chattanooga. <laughs> I hope it doesn't happen against Richmond because I can only imagine what that goal celebration is going to be. Oh. Uh... Yeah, or or he'll do the uh, I'm so sorry celebration, you know. So you may be um, so. <laughs> all right, uh, and then 10:30 p.m. Obviously, when you hear a time like that, you know that we're out in uh, in Tucson. Uh, Tucson's hosting OCB in a game that does not matter. Um, <laughs> Sunday, 3 p.m. Uh, a game that matters quite a lot. This one is Greenville Triumph versus Union Omaha to close us out. Huge game, actually, because mm-hmm. if Union Omaha were to win this. Uh, Union and you guys were to lose or draw. Union Omaha would be ahead of you, although not in points per game if you draw. Um, so, yeah, super important game. One that Elliot, you should be keeping your eye on because you are rooting for Greenville at this point, all the way to the to the until the finals, basically. Yeah, I, I'm I'm rooting for Greenville in this game. I mean, for those who ever listened to River City '93, you need to because we talked about the games that you need to watch for uh, Richmond Kickers. Uh, supporters, and this is the game on the top of our list that we're going to be watching, and we are hoping that Greenville does not play for a draw. They go all out, <laughs> go get these three points, and uh, you know, help our chances of having a rematch of the Bonds and Girls Cup in the final. Very nice, Elliot. Anything else you'd like to add this week? Um, man, I have nothing. No, I'm listen, good, listen to I, I got one. Listen to River City '93. You know, oh, yeah, so even even if you're not a kickers fan, if you just care about the uh, you know know what you're gonna face when you face the kickers, uh, listen to Elliot Engineer on River City '93. And Elliot, where can people connect with you? Oh, you can connect with me on Twitter at Yogi McLovin. That's my personal. Uh, we can also connect with our podcast, uh, River City '93. Not only do we cover the Richmond kickers, but we also have a side podcast called Can I Kick It. Which is um, great. <clears throat> it is. Um, we just put out a tweet today that Can I Kick It is coming back. Um, we're just on a little bit of hiatus because we weren't expecting this freaking Richmond Kickers, so we had to change <laughs> a lot of our plans up. Um, so we have three episodes that are going to be coming out um, till the end of October. Um, 
one mystery podcast, but the two are going to the other two are going to be on Samuel Eto and Didier Drogba. So, um, so describe can <clears throat> I kick it because it's it's a show yeah. that that talks about black culture within the soccer community. So what we do is, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we're almost like total soccer shows alternate version of uh, soccer 101 can i kick it we take black history in soccer and talk about figures um important players coaches in the game and kind of delve into that black delve into that history but also what importance they had on the game so for instance we did an episode on demarcus beasley and we kind of just not only talked about his career but also about if you take demarcus beasley when he won the silver ball in the U23 World Cup, and if you put him in today's timeline, how much of a different player is he is? What kind of different experience does he have? And if you put DeMarcus Beasley into this Man City team now, you know, what kind of different player would he be looked at versus the Man City when they had no money? So those are the kind of things we talk about on the podcast. I mean, we talk to players from uh, Luka Phillips, uh, Wendy Renard, um, and, so, and others as well. And if you have any suggestions of people that you want us to highlight or players that you're interested in or want to know more about or significant moments, please feel, feel free to hit us up at RiverCity93 uh, on Twitter and also 93RiverCity at Gmail with your suggestions. So um, I really enjoyed your Crystal Dunn episode, by the way. That was uh, that was one of my faves. Oh, um, she also gave us a shout-out, which was like really weird. Like Her and Winnie Bernard both shouted us out, and we were, me and Shadir were like, I don't think these are real. These aren't real. <laughs> <laughs> you, you think they were fake accounts? <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. We were like, these are fake. These oh come on, Crystal Dunn's got to have it. Crystal Dunn's got to have a check mark. Um, <laughs> all right, and I can I can be found at Iron Jersey. Jason can be found at Home Sweet Soccer, and the show can be found at League One Fun. That's League the Number One Fun. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. And thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of the United Soccer Leagues. Major League Soccer and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves to your group or team at roughneckscarves.com and Icarus FC for all your custom kit needs for your youth, adult, or club teams. Go to IcarusFC.com. Elliot, until next week, hashtag support local soccer. Support the kickers. We're going to the final. <laughs>